0: Sports Ethos New York Knicks podcast, Andre Gallibur. The Knicks pulled out another one against the Spurs. You know, this was a game the Knicks had to win, but could have very easily been a tough game to pull out. Especially with Wembenyama coming in here, trying to put on the show, ESPN game, all of that stuff. But the Knicks came out all business. And this is one of those games where, you know, you don't appreciate it. Unless you are a Knicks fan and some Knicks fans don't even appreciate it. It's one of those games where you look at the schedule and you say, oh, the Knicks are supposed to win this game. But then if they lose it, it's like the sky is falling. So they had to win this game and they won it. So it's a big game that let's just start treating these games like that. If you're going to act like the sky is falling, if they lose the game then if they win it, then it's a big game. That's it. That's the new rule. It's a new rule. Nationally televised, win ben Yama, all of that stuff, all of that hype. All they not necessarily playing that great. They had a Clipper game where they played well. After that, they got to start, you know, turning turning the tide a little bit. Start to get a little momentum, get some wins under their belt. So this was the game they had to win, and they did it. It's a big win. It's a big game. Period. They pulled it out from start to finish. The stars of the show were the starters. And you know that's usually not the case uh, in mass. You know, you have one of, you have, you know, your Brunson games, Randall, RJ, sure. But as uh, as a unit, these guys are usually not the stars of the show. They were tonight. They were tonight. Plus 27, Brunson. Plus 26, Barrett. Plus 31, Randall. Plus 30, Robinson. Plus 26, Grimes. The bench, everybody was on the minus. Every last one of them. Every last one of them. Not going to make a big deal out of it. The Knicks jumped out on the Spurs early. The offense looked immaculate. Immaculate. The ball moved, and it didn't just move arbitrarily. It looked like it moved with a purpose, even though it still didn't completely move with a purpose. You still didn't see a whole lot of read and react. You still saw more crispness. You saw conviction in in the movements, which makes the defense have to move just a little bit more and have to, have to uh, be a little bit more aggressive. And they weren't, they they couldn't go through the motions defensively because they were just waiting for an isolation play because the Knicks didn't end with isolation play. They ended with fast, definitive movements towards the basket. And once again, you saw Randall, Pulling Mitch out of the paint and running high screen and roll. You saw Randall getting downhill, getting to the, getting into the lane, not settling just for jumpers. He's still not shooting tremendously. Neither is Brunson, but they didn't have a bad shooting night. Uh, from three, actually, Brunson had five threes, five of eight, Barrett, five of nine. Nick shot incredibly from three tonight, except for Randall. They shot an incredible percentage. You're probably not going to see that percentage every single night, even though, even though RJ's been shooting great and Brunson's been shooting great. Brunson's been struggling close to the rim. There's some little whispers coming up about the hand injury he had last year flaring back up. He was flexing his hand a lot uh, after the game yesterday. I thought it was his right hand, but he's been struggling finish around the rim. You have to, you have to hope that's coming back because that's his superpower. He's always had that though, but if he doesn't have it because of his hand, uh, uh, it's not panic time yet, but, uh, but you see Randall, you see, you're starting to see a little bit of, of Randall being his, his best self. He's getting downhill. He's getting into the paint. He's getting downhill without having to isolate He's getting downhill without having to deal with people standing, waiting for him because they're pulling Mitchell out of the paint and he's attacking off screens and he seems to be comfortable doing that. Which, and again, and I said this before the Clipper game, they need to make a change. They need to make some changes. One of those changes was getting Mitchell out of the paint and that's what they've done. Now, some teams are going to play that screen differently. When they start seeing that more often, you're going to see them start playing that differently. That's fine. That's fine. Just just getting Mitchell out of the paint gives the offense an opportunity to be functional to me. Because not everybody can can score with Mitchell's man in the paint. And now Brunson is struggling, RJ is still playing great, but you know Randall's been struggling so you, it's not sustainable. Pulling Mitchell out of the paint Playing that screening role from different angles, using different people. The next step to me is using Quentin Grimes on the screens as well. If everybody on the floor can knock a shot down and Quentin Grimes should be on the screen, he doesn't have to be the guy standing outside waiting for the shot. It could be Randall. It could be RJ. It could be Brunson because that's what that's what happens anyway. Those same guys are spotted up in other circumstances, so. That's that's the next step for them because now that unlocks a whole other dimension of Quentin Grimes' game. And let's talk about Quentin Grimes a little bit. I'm real good at burying the lead. It's a great win. Great games from R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett, once again, making me look like a genius, calling him, having a good season so far coming into this season. It's so early. We don't jump to conclusions like that, but he's looking great out there, shooting the ball tremendously. Randall looking like he has a little bit more life in this game. obviously. That's. I mean, it's, it's not even a question. He had a great rebounding game. In this tonight, he had sixteen rebounds, which speaks to his hustle. That like you're seeing a little bit more of his hustle. You're seeing a little bit more of his energy. Is that's why it's so evident when he's not there. So a lot of you guys who just irrationally defending Julius Randle, you you, you look real silly. And I understand. That, you know, you're a Nick fan and you like your Nick guy and all that stuff, but it's not even, it's not even, right? Because there are Nick players that you don't like and you criticize and it's like you pit them against each other. It's an irrational defense of Randall. I don't understand how you can watch what Randall's doing and not see and not have a criticism of it. I just don't understand it. I don't, I, like, how are you a real person? You see Randall have a game like he had last night where, and you've seen him do even more than that defensively. Just be all over the place offensively, be on people's bodies, you know, crashing the boards. He was good at he was good last night, but you've seen him be even better. So when you see him loafing around, it's like, how can you act like that's not a thing? Sixteen rebounds, that's tremendous. They bullied the Spurs last night. They bullied Wimbanyama last night. Bullied him. And Randall's a big part of that. There aren't a lot of power forwards in the league that can handle Randall If he's playing aggressively with energy and physicality on both ends of the floor, there's not a lot of power forwards that can handle him. They don't build him like that no more. So if he's not doing anything, he's not efficient shooting the ball. So he can be useless out there. Definitely better off having Hart out there if, if that's the case. Not last night though, and you gotta give him credit. Give him credit. And if he's going and I told you this before, I think Randall's the type of personality. This was documented on the defensive side of the floor where Randall, when he plays drop coverage, when he has to play passive defense, he is not nearly as engaged defensively. But when he is actually a part, aggressively a part of a of a defensive scheme he is much better defensively he's much more locked in he's much more physical his feet are moving quicker he's much more uh, uh instinctive and attentive but when he as a passive oh you're just supposed to zone off here and drop back and, and put your hands up he's he's lost and i think that's the same thing offensively if you if you are consistently having randall just kind of play the outside stand outside the ball finds you here and there and you kind of create your own shot. That's a bad. That's bad offensive strategy to begin with. And I'm not one who doesn't put some of that on Tibbs and puts puts it all on Randall. But a lot of it is on Randall because his decision making is piss poor a lot of times, right? So, but you can see how disengaged he is sometimes. But now putting him on the ball and allowing him to take on Brunson's role sometimes of. You know, coming down court and just calling for a screen and attacking. Yeah, it's 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 brought life back to him. And he's not really an unselfish player on the court. He's willing to pass the ball. He's not he's not the greatest passer. I know some of you are going to debate that. He's not the greatest passer. He's not he's not he still predetermines what he wants to do too often. He does that with the pass a lot too, right? And sometimes he will not pass the ball because he wants. He wants to do something else. Sometimes it's shooting. Sometimes he just wants somebody else to get it. You see him pass people up sometimes, and it's for no good reason. Uh, but he is a much more dangerous player when you don't know where he's coming at you from. When you don't know how the how the uh, the play is going to end up, it's going to end up in his hands in this spot. Cool. Defensively, you can figure that out. You can load up. But they're coming at you from different angles now. They're coming at you, Randall, at high screen and roll. They're coming at you with misdirection and Randall getting the ball with a mismatch and waiting for the double team and and either attacking or passing out of the double team on areas of the floor that you did not necessarily predict. It's all continuity, man. That's basically what they needed to create, which they had not created in the Tibbs era, and they needed to. Quite frankly, and I don't know how long it lasts because when things start getting a little shaky and the shots aren't going down, then everybody's going to kind of revert to the mean. They're going to go back to what they know. Uh, But right now, they look good. And if the Knicks offense looks as good as it did the last couple games. And granted, the Clippers are trying to put their pieces together, even though that was a big win. And I don't care what no one says, Spurs big win, but a bad defensive team but a team that I thought would give the Knicks trouble at the rim with when if they were really pressing the the front of the rim and they managed to do that and not have Wimby disrupt the team. All right. But it was a bad defensive team. Uh, They're about to go up against Charlotte on Sunday. Not a great team by any measure, but obviously a team that can put a lot of points on the board. Uh, It's a, it's a game they have to win. It's at home. They're on the, Road next week with a tough schedule, a couple back-to-backs. Got to play Boston in the second half of a back-to-back, which is terrible. If they could find a way to get Grimes going, put Grimes in some of those high and roll actions, just like Randall, I think you would unlock Grimes, too. I I don't think you're going to see it, though. They, They went out of their way to get Grimes the ball the last couple games for like two minutes. No, I shouldn't say two minutes. Like a possession here, a possession there. You can see they they went and looked for him, but that's not enough. That's not going to cut it. I'm not going to unlock him that way. But that's a whole nother conversation. I just I keep uh, I'm in I'm in these Facebook I'm in this Facebook Nick group, right? I'm in a NBA group. I'm in a Facebook Nick group, and it seems to be a whole lot of Nick fans in the NBA group, right? I don't know what some of you are watching. I gotta be honest. Opinion is one thing. I saw somebody, there's a lot of guys, a couple guys in the group that post messages saying what I'm about to say. There are too many people that don't know what they're talking about. Right? And he went on and on and on. He brought up a couple of examples and then people responded and they said, who are you to tell people that their opinions are wrong? This is where I get On my soapbox. It's not an opinion. When you say something. That's factually false. Okay. If you say Quentin Grimes. That you don't think he's going to be. A really good NBA player. That's an opinion. If you say Quentin Grimes. Is a terrible defensive player. That is factually incorrect. If you say Quentin Grimes. Is not hitting shots right now. Okay. I'm gonna say that's debatable because he's shooting about like I think he's around around thirty-five percent somewhere in that range. That's about average for the NBA. Somewhere in that range. I'm not gonna look it up because it's definitely like plus one or plus two of thirty-five percent. That's about average. Alright, so to say he can't shoot, that's debatable. If you said that he's not shooting well, if he's not if he's not, I should say he's not, you know, in a good rhythm, not shooting as well as he used to be, okay, that's that's a fact. But when you say Quentin Grimes can't shoot, and he has two seasons where he was flirting with 39, 40 percent shooting on a on a relatively high value volume, that is factually false. Factually false. What game are you watching? That hey, You need someone to tell you that Quentin Grimes is one of the better perimeter defenders in the league. What game are you watching? Because because a, a guy scores on him a couple times? You think he's going to stop him every single time? Some of the best scorers in history of the game? That's not that's not the, the only measure of a great defensive player. The fact that he's even guarding them. Number one, he last year, he was in a top percentile for for guarding the best players on the other team and that guy has scored some points and you say oh look he's has been on quitting he can't guard anybody no is he reducing his efficiency is he making it tough for him making him take shots he doesn't want to take and sometimes this is why defensive rating as a stat all by itself is, is insufficient because I'm talking about it on an individual basis it's because Sometimes you stop someone, they don't shoot the ball, they just pass, or or, or the play is running for them and you blew the play up, they don't even catch the ball. No one talks about that, nobody considers that, that's why defensive rating in and of itself is not a great stat, but a guy, anyone watching the game and has any idea of what they're looking at can see Quentin Grimes is an excellent defensive player. It doesn't mean he's the best. It doesn't mean he doesn't get scored on. And it is an opinion to say that he's not even a great defensive player. But to say that he's a bad one is comical. It's comical. And that brings me to the other favorite topic in one of those groups is Obi Toppin. And the same thing on Twitter. They got guys posting that Obi Toppin is a superstar in Indiana. I saw a guy, he posted a message, Obi Toppin is a superstar, just like I thought he was. Like, what, what are you looking at? Obi Toppin is playing worse with Indiana than he did with the Knicks. He's playing, he's playing about the same minutes. He's getting benched. Like, what are you talking about? I'm not rooting against Obi Toppin. I thought Obi Toppin was going to have an excellent run in Indiana. It has not panned out that way. Obi Toppin has been every bit the flawed player that he was here with the Knicks. Every bit. Every bit. And for the most part, he's getting lit up defensively. Lit up. Lit up. you got guys, listen, when someone posts a message and they're saying, or a tweet or whatever, and they're saying, Obi and look what Obi Toppin is doing, look how bad he's been. I'm pretty sure he's shooting in the 20s from three right now. <laughs> Look how bad he's been. You'll inevitably have someone post, Oh, I can't we just leave Obi-Topping alone. Why? Why are you bothering Obi-Topping? He's not my Knicks anymore. Blah, blah. No, no, no. They're responding to the other people who keep posting about him every time he has a highlight dunk or something like that, or lying about what he's doing. They're trying to respond to that nonsense. You can't just look at it in a vacuum. The The way Nick fans operate, I, I can't understand. Is this really just a Nick thing? I've seen people who involve themselves in, in conversations uh, in other fan groups, and they're all saying, it's just Nick fans that do this. Is this really a thing? Like, Are you really living in a la-la land right now when it comes to the Knicks and, and, and the players? And Just because you don't want to be wrong? Is that what we're doing? Cam Reddish, the same thing. People tried to keep up that charade for weeks. Now you can't hide. You can't hide how bad Cam Reddish is playing. You can't hide it. I don't root against Cam Reddish. I want Cam Reddish to play well. But all of you fools... You'll never learn because you never admit when you're wrong. You'll always make an excuse. Guys who are just talented, who don't play professional basketball properly, they are not good. They're good at Rucker League. They're good at Summer League. They're good at pro and They're not good in the league. you got to be a pro and do pro things. And I'm not saying Cam hasn't improved in a lot of ways. I think defensively Cam has been a lot more attentive defensively from what I've seen. I haven't watched him every play, all right? But he's been a lot more attentive defensively. He always had a potential to be a better defensive player. He's not very strong. That's one of his issues. But his biggest issue is poor technique around screens, and I've seen him navigate screens very well with the Lakers. And the other thing is he's not good at at, um, paying attention off the ball, and he gambles too much. You know those are two things that I can't say I've paid a lot of attention to with the Lakers, but I know he's not necessarily playing well with the Lakers. he's not playing big minutes. Laker fans are not enthused with him. He doesn't have a great plus minus he doesn't have the worst one. The Laker team is not playing well right now, but it's not great. It's certainly not superstar numbers. It's certainly not going to get him a twenty million dollar a year contract, not even a ten million dollar a year contract, and you guys keep talking about him like. Like the Knicks gave away some great superstar. It's all Tibbs' fault that Obi Toppin wasn't an all-star. It's all Tibbs' fault that Cam wasn't an all-star. When are you going to admit that you were wrong? And the same thing with R.J. Barrett. That's another big conversation. You're not wrong because you said R.J. Barrett couldn't shoot. You weren't wrong. He couldn't shoot. You weren't wrong. You weren't wrong when you were saying that he wasn't Uh, A good defensive player. You weren't wrong when you were saying he wasn't super, super athletic. You weren't wrong when you were saying that he wasn't great going to the rim, finding his teammates or finishing for a time. You were not wrong as he improved because he improved his finishing. He's improving his shooting right now. As he improves, you don't get to have people tell you that you didn't know what you were talking about before. That's so stupid. No, it's something changed. Something changed. He is better now. Now, if you said you didn't think R.J. Barrett was ever going to be a good player, and he was trash when he was 20 years old, then okay, you were wrong. But if you were saying that he was a budding superstar when he went two, three seasons and not playing well, you were doing too much. And you don't get to run laps now that he's playing well. You don't get to. No. Now, if you said, okay, he's young, give him time, there's been incremental improvement. All right. You don't run laps either because it's only six, seven games into the season. So he missed some games. But at the end of the day, you have a whole season for him to fall apart. It could fall apart next week. He's already dealing with a knee injury. He's going to get tired. He played over the summer. His shooting percentage is not going to stay where it is. It's like in the mid-40s right now from three. He's been outstanding. He's been the Knicks' best player. You don't get to say that you knew that he was going to do this when he was playing poorly. You don't get to say that. You don't get to say that you knew he was going to change his shot over the off season and be a 45% shooter for three. You don't get to say that. You don't get to say that. I'm sorry. You don't. And you don't get to say people were wrong for saying that RJ Barrett was not playing well last year. Statistically, he was one of the worst players in the NBA per minute. One of the worst players in the NBA Fantasy League wise, he was like in the 200s, I think, <laughs> in terms of ranking, or high 100s. He's an NBA starter, okay? He was too inefficient to be getting all giddy about his numbers. You can't shoot the low 40s from the field and have people excited about your 19 points. You just can't. You can't be a poor free throw shooter and have people excited that you're getting to the line. This was just if you were being honest, you could say, okay, if RJ continues to improve, he might be a functional NBA player. But he has to learn how to shoot because he's not really a functional 19, 20 point scorer right now. He's just a guy getting a lot of shots. But I can't stress it enough. You don't get to tell people they were wrong about RJ Barrett for saying RJ Barrett was bad when RJ Barrett was bad. You, You don't get to do that. That's not the way this works. The same thing about the Knicks' offense the last two games, the first few games of the season, the Knicks' offense was putrid. Isolation wise, they it was too much of it. You can't say that wasn't true. You can't then wait until the Knicks turn things around against the Clippers and the Spurs and start running a, an entirely different approach—not entirely, but a a, a different in pr- approach specifically to Randall in these games and the offense starts to look better and then say, oh, the offense has been fine. No, (laughs) that's not not how this works. Last year, the Knicks were, like, top five, six in the league in isolation plays. I think it was was easily top five. Now you can't look at the last couple games and say, oh, the the offense has been fine this year. Like, no, they averaged 102 points a game. For San Antonio. Like, no, it's not fine. They were one of the worst field goal percentage teams in the league. You don't get to say the offense is fine because they had two good games. The offense might be fine because they changed the strategy in the last couple games, but they ain't been fine all year. So stop waiting for things to get better when you were saying it was fine. Then things get better, and then you say, See, I told you. Like, everybody's not idiots. Like, what what is going on with y'all? For real. For real. What is going on with y'all? I had a guy say, you got to trade quickly before the trade deadline. I said, why do you have to trade quickly before the trade deadline? He said, because he's a free agent this year, he's going to walk. I said, no, he's a restricted free agent this year. He tried to act like, I didn't know what I was talking about. He said, He said, I told y'all the Knicks gave Dante IQ's money. Which, there may be some truth to it. But he said that IQ just wanted an $80 million contract. And I said, no. IQ wants a $100 million contract. That's what was reported. Not 80. DiVincenzo's making about... It's a $46 million contract. So, by any measure he's making half of what you're saying he wants at $80 million or close to it and less than half of what it was reported that he wanted. So if you want to say that they gave Dante his money, okay, they gave Dante some of his money. But we're legit in two different tax brackets here. And he tried to say that he wasn't eligible to get a $100 million contract. I don't know what you guys are doing. Like, I don't know, do you watch the games on mute? Do you not read anything? Like, how does this work? This, I just don't understand. This is not opinion. When you don't, when you are loud about something that is factually incorrect, and then want to argue with people about it, I don't get why adults are doing this. Do better. Do better. We're not arguing the war in the Middle East. Have some kind of debate about it. No, these are all you gotta do is look it up. All you gotta do is Google. That's it. Google. Ah, that's enough. At Sports Ethos on Twitter, give it a follow at Ethos Knicks. Until next time.